What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, October 26th. Breitbart Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe joins me on the podcast today. We are going to take a deep dive into the Biden crime family. Also, we finally have a new Speaker of the House in Mike Johnson. Will he put America first? And also, two teenage murderers are seen laughing and joking around in court after they live-stream the killing of a retired police officer. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. If you're watching the live broadcast here on Rumble, you know what to do. Get down there and hit that share button. Let's get as many people into the live broadcast as possible. I would love to encourage you guys to cha- take part in the chat down below. Let's get some conversations going. If you missed out on my last episode, I had a great conversation with Dinesh D'Souza and Cash Patel. Both of them joined me on the previous episode here on Tuesday. So if you missed it, just go down on the channel here and flip it one back. And while you're down there, hit the follow button. Follow me here on Rumble. But Dinesh D'Souza talked all about his new documentary film, Police State, which you can get right now, policestate.net. Uh, I think the the virtual premiere is going to be tomorrow. Uh, so don't miss out on that. Very important film and a very important interview. So if you missed it, flip it back one. And, of course, Cash Patel was great. I look forward to having both of them guys back on to the Alec Lay Show at some point down the line. Today, I got a special one for you guys. Alex Marlowe is Breitbart's editor-in-chief. He is going to be joining me here. He has got a brand-new book out, Breaking Biden. And we are going to really take a, a, a real deep dive into the Biden crime family. There's so much to cover. We could probably talk about this for two hours. We're going to try to pack it in in about a half-hour conversation. But it is going to move quickly, and we are going to get into um, the nitty-gritty here about this corruption and crooked president that is currently sitting in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and I can't wait till we can get him out of there. But uh, as I promised you guys on Tuesday, before I bring Alex on, uh, I, I told you that I was going to be on Fox Business on the bottom line last night, which I was. So I want to share one highlight from there. We had a couple of stories to cover, one of which was this fool on CNN who made a total uh, ass out of herself. Uh, she's talking about the hostages that were released from Hamas and how they're reporting uh, that, oh, it was uh, almost like it was a country club down there in, inside the tunnels where Hamas was holding them. They had so many amenities and, oh, it was a luxury, almost like it was almost like you were glad to be kidnapped and held hostage. Uh, so they had me comment on that. Here's the clip. We know these tunnels have ventilation. We know that they've been known to have air conditioning. There was shampoo. There was antibiotics. There was a guard per hostage. They had tampons and things, okay? Um, it is pretty stunning. Join us now with reaction. First Class Fatherhood podcast host Alec Lace, along with the host of the Jake Beckett. I'm saying that right? Beckett Show podcast, Jake Beckett. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for being here. What's up, Sean? Alec, I'm going to come to you first. So this is what's frustrating with CNN. I mean, you have hostages. Um, they might have seen someone killed or raped. Some of them are injured. Some have lost 
uh, extremities. And here you have CNN undermining the horrific conditions of hostages to make it seem like it's a five-star resort. Yeah, shame on this woman. And she's making it sound like it's an Airbnb listing, but forgets to mention that a side effect could be losing your head, right, with these people. Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget that the families of these people are watching the news. They're, they're locked into it because they want to know what's happening to their loved ones. And President Donald Trump, he brought home 54, 58 hostages and detainees, more than any other president has. OK, and he didn't have to trade away the merchant of death or give six billion to Iran to do it. If he was here today being in the White House, there's no doubt he'd have these people back and safe with their families. And I truly do believe that. I believe that if President Trump was in the White House, we would have those hostages back. But uh, how about this from, from this woman on CNN talking about how, oh, yeah, they had tampons and shampoo bottles and all this other stuff. What, what, who are you kidding? What are you trying to make it sound like uh, this was as if when SEAL Team 6 shows up to uh, rescue them, they're going to have to lure them out of the tunnel. Hey, guys, we got shampoo and air conditioning in the helicopter, too, you know. Uh, this was an absolute insult by CNN. No surprise there, though. And they just kind of like propagandized this entire thing. And so that was from last night on the bottom line. And before I bring Alex uh, Marlowe onto the podcast, wanted to hit obviously the big trending news yesterday is we finally have a Speaker of the House. This is a good thing for America. And I think we got a good speaker. Uh, I, the reason I say that right off the hibbity is because this is a man of faith. He's a, somebody that puts God first. And I pray he's going to put America first in what he does. But let's take a look at Mike Johnson. Uh, a couple of facts about him. I'm going to put this up on the board here. This was from Proud Army Brat listed these uh, about Mike Johnson and his life and political record. I'll go over a couple of the points. You tell me if you like what you hear. He has consistently voted against Ukraine aid, except for the very first aid bill. He's pro-life. He supported President Donald Trump's 2017 executive order prohibiting immigration from seven Muslim countries. That was the Muslim ban. He solidly votes with his GOP colleagues. He's very policy driven. He's experienced having been a member of Congress for seven years. This is his fourth term. He fought for Trump as a member of his legal defense team uh, during both his impeachment hearings. He is a staunch Trump ally. He is a constitutional attorney, having received his degree from Louisiana State University. He's married with four children. He's a Christian. His Christian faith is important to him. He often leads prayer on the hill. His mentor is Representative Jim Jordan. He voted for him for the speaker. He voted against certifying Biden's election. He's been actively involved with the investigations into Biden and wants to bring forth justice for his crimes. All right, so those are a few of the highlights. I like what I hear. Uh, I hope I like what I see. But, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I don't want to see more money going towards Ukraine. Mike Johnson is a guy, uh, Congressman Mike Johnson, now Speaker Johnson, is somebody that has voted against all the a additional aid going to Ukraine. I still believe that we need to put America first before we start going out. I mean, even Israel, I know you're going to see us give some money to Israel. Hopefully they do it in a separate bill where this isn't going to be all conglomerated together, where we put a $100 billion bill like Joe Biden wants to do and we give money money just across the board. I know they're going to end up giving money to Israel, but right now, I really think that we need to focus here on America. I mean, we have so much debt, national debt that we have. We got the crime that's out of control, the border that's wide open. We got homelessness all over the streets. We got people ODing left and right. Uh, the illegal immigration obviously is crushing all these cities. So we need to we need to take care of America first. And I make this comparison too. If you've you've heard this about personal development and made this uh, they, uh, they use this a lot. If you're on a plane 
and the oxygen mask falls down from the sky. They tell you to put your mask on first before going to help somebody else. And right now, America needs to put their oxygen mask on first before we go and help these other countries. That's what we need to worry about right now. And I want to hear more of that from the House, from the new speaker, and I hope that we will. And, I, and you know, don't I will do my best to get him on. I know he's going to be in high demand. I'm going to put a, a feeler out there, and I'll make some contacts and see if we can get Speaker Johnson to join me here on the Alec Lay Show. Don't forget, I am available now on Locals. Uh, so if you'd like to check out the, uh, you know, join the community that I started on there, we'll have some conversations. Hopefully I'll do some, uh, you know, maybe just some localized interviews on there, uh, exclusive interviews just for the locals community. So I encourage you, if you'd like to support me, support the podcast here. If you like what you hear, if you like the guests that you see, uh, the link to the locals community is right below the video that you're watching here on Rumble. If you listen on Apple or Spotify, you'll find the link in the description of the podcast episode. All right, so let's do this here. Let's... um. Let's get Alex Marlowe into the uh, into the podcast here. Alex Marlowe is the editor-in-chief of Breitbart News Network. He has been on the cover of Time and Newsweek. Forbes has had him on the 30 under 30. Then Forbes once called him perhaps the most significant media figure in America. All right, so he's got the new book out we're going to be discussing today. Got a copy of it right here called Breaking Biden. Exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration. All right, and so the link to the book will be down there in the description of today's podcast episode for you guys to tap the link and find out more about it. Again, this is a subject we can go into for a few hours. There's so much to discover or so much to dive into. Alex has done the research, so I'm curious to see what he has to say. Also, I had a chance to sit down with Alex Marlowe on First Class Fatherhood, I think a year and a half ago, maybe. Uh, sat down, talked about his fatherhood journey. He's a first-class father all the way as well. So I'm excited to have him here on the Alec Lay Show now, getting a chance to talk about politics and, of course, this corrupt Joe Biden and his family. So let's bring him on in. I got him in the Zoom room. Let's do this. Joining me now, Alex Marlowe. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Alec, it's great to talk to you again. And I know slightly different context than last time, but uh, I'll have you know I continue to have children. So everyone can go pull down our fatherhood podcast if they if they want to do that yes continuing to be a first class father all the way i know that but right now we got some serious business to talk about here we know that uh joe biden has been in washington for five decades he's a verified liar what are we you're you're out with the new book uh breaking biden what are we what are we going to learn about joe biden when we read the book yeah thank you alec for showing an interest uh, in the book so there's a couple of main points i'm trying i'm trying to make and and uh, overall, this is a deeply researched book. I teamed up with a handful of some of the best researchers in the world, all of whom have worked for number one New York Times bestselling author Peter Schweitzer on a lot of his research and deep dives at the Government Accountability Institute. So I, the, the goal was to do the deepest investigation ever into the Bidens. But there's a couple of big points before we get into anything that I found that was specific, uh, which is that I had a hypothesis that he's not just a symptom of our problems. He is the problem. He is a unique threat to the United States and our republic because of the way he has created a system where the political establishment is uh, so deep. Their power is so deep. It is so hard to take it from them. And thus, they are held to a different standard. They're able to get away with so much. And that Joe Biden didn't just luck into this. He wasn't just some bumbling idiot who can't get up the stairs. 
Um, he was someone who actually had designed the system in this way, and that he more than anyone else is responsible for it. And then all of us who think we know a lot about Joe Biden, as I did when I went into the project, uh, we barely know anything about Joe Biden because the media has either not been interested, not looked into it, had looked into it, and then buried it in page you know, 17 of the paper and paragraph 14 and no one ever saw it. Uh, or there was so much stuff that we get so fatigued over all the bombshells that we've forgotten about all of them. So I, I wanted to synthesize for readers and for voters why this guy is so bad. And I think I was able to do that with example after example and looking into him. Uh, there's just not one area where he is impressive. Every single area I looked into him, he was either more corrupt or his policies are more destructive. And I'm happy to enumerate some of them now. Yeah, and it's, it's almost as if every page you open to the book, a history of weakness, uh, Kung Fu Panda, uh, electric vehicles, every, any, any page you open to in this book is something where it's like, oh, my God, there's, and there's a whole laundry list of corruption that's surrounding this guy who's been in there. Now, now real quick, I want to get your take because Joe Biden himself says, I'm just following my orders. We've heard him say this time and time again, and I think most people are under the impression that Joe Biden is not running anything there. So who, real quick, who is running the show? Who is he taking orders from? Who are the people that are pulling the string? I know a lot of people point to Obama. They say Obama yeah. is his third term. Who is it? Yeah, so, so Joe Biden's at the top, and this is one of the things that he's tricked us a lot, that he steers into that he's just a lunch bucket Joe, kind of bumbling guy, and a normal guy. There's nothing normal about him, and I go through this in a lot of detail. First of all, a lot of people like to act like Joe's some sort of a puppet. Well, if he's some sort of a puppet, then how do you explain the Afghanistan withdrawal, where he defied all of our allies, he defied all the generals, and he picked a more disastrous strategy? So he can't be a puppet because that was one of the biggest decisions he made, how to do that withdrawal. And he got it totally wrong. And he was never held accountable for it. It ended up 13 servicemen and women died. Uh, and then we also had uh, we droned a car full of children. So it's the it, no one got fired for any of that. So Joe's clearly in charge. It was it's Joe's stuff. So who else is with Joe? Uh, then I, it's a team of people, some of whom I trace back to his very early days as being a national political figure. He started to build his apparatus when he was running for Senate the first time in his 20s. And that's why he's so close with his family. In that first race, when Joe was 29 years old, when he won his first Senate seat, uh, it was run by James Biden and Valerie Biden, who are still with him to this day. I have a big profile on James Biden at Breitbart this week. Uh, and they cashed in on Joe Biden and the family name, and they've been a real part of his apparatus. And he started to gradually, over his 50 years in Washington, continue to pick up key allies. Ron Klain was with him since the 80s, who was his chief of staff for a long time. Now, there are some Obama people. Susan Rice is obviously making a lot of the decisions, or at least was uh, for the first half of his administration. She's an Obama person. But I don't think it's Obama. I think Obama's tuned out. I think he's making documentaries on Netflix and he's playing video games. I, I don't think it's him. Uh, I think more than anyone else, it's Biden. But Biden is doing the bidding of a... Of of, a, of two classes of people. The first is a billionaire class. And I enumerate all the names. Some of them are familiar to you. Some of them are totally unfamiliar to you. People who love the status quo in this country because it makes them immensely wealthy and powerful. And they know Joe Biden is the person who is least likely to threaten the status quo, period. Alec, me and you who know nothing about how to govern or be run executive branch, we are much bigger threats than Joe Biden to the establishment. It's the he wants to keep the establishment exactly how it is. And so the people who are already thriving in this country love that. 
So uh, the, 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 so, so that's number one. The other group of people is a consultant class. And that's where he gets his cabinet. Guys like Tony Blinken, uh, guys like Lloyd Austin. These are all people who are part of a class that make all of their money as consultants, sometimes uh, seven, even eight figures in very short stints in Washington. And they do it by basically being the go-between between big companies and the U.S. Treasury. So they're the ones who help allocate the funds when we appropriate, you know, a trillion dollars in spending. It goes different places, particularly places like like uh, the defense industry and the national security industry. Uh, all of these places, there is a mechanism uh, to distribute those funds. And there are deals that are cut between entities like Google and Boeing and the U.S. government. Guys like Tony Blinken are the guys who are doing that. So those guys are making decisions, keeping in mind that where they came from is are certain businesses and where they're going next when they're done in government are certain businesses and they have that in mind when they're making calls so it's really that sort of a web that i'm trying to uh, unspool for people in the book yeah there's so much to unpack here alex and, and again uh breaking biden exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration. A link to the book is down there in the description below. I, I do want to touch, just because I mentioned it, the electric vehicles. I'm going to circle back on that. But you mentioned Jim Biden. Uh, you call him the bag man. I know you're profiling him on Breitbart. What do we learn about him? Tell us about him. What do you got about him in the book here? Yeah, so uh, Jim's been in the news quite a bit, as you can imagine, because he's the the he he's the one who got this check, or he got this wire sent to him from this company called the Miracor. And uh, he, the same day he sent Joe Biden 200 grand, the exact same amount as the check. So this is something that it fits a pattern uh, with Jim Biden, who goes back with Joe Biden to the very early days, his very first Senate race. And I go through the whole history of it. Uh, but he starts off, he, this guy's had the most wild career, Alec, you could ever imagine. His main thing, though, is he was a nightclub owner. And then all of a sudden he became a campaign finance maven for Joe. And then he was a hedge fund mastermind. Um, there's one anecdote in the book where he basically did a shakedown of a company that uh, I don't have all the exact details in front of me. So people should should uh, uh, pull that up for themselves in the book. Uh, but he embarrassed Bo because they showed up at this company that they were taking over and they basically just started talking like they were out of a Scorsese movie. And it was just totally humiliating gangster stuff. Uh, and that's what he does. But one thing that uh, was really cool is that Comer was able to get this 200 grand figure. Um, you know, that's not the type of stuff I can do with my investigations because I, I can't get access to bank records. So that's really great. It's very encouraging that we're able to start doing that. We're starting to get some dollar amounts. Um, but AmeriCorps was his company that Jim was affiliated with, and they've been plagued with legal troubles the whole time for mismanagement. Investors and partners uh, had sued over mismanagement, including James himself was accused of fraudulently transferring funds outside of ordinary business to himself. And he'd given himself a half a million dollar personal loan. Uh, I looked into this. I could not figure out if the loan was paid back. Alec, you could, best, you could guess what my... Well, my guess is whether or not he's paid it back. Of course, my guess is he hasn't, although I don't know for sure, because again, I can't get those types of records. But this is just one deal of many that James has been involved in. And I go through how he somehow, uh, while Joe was vice president, got a contract, one of his companies, to build a, a hundred thousand homes in Iraq, war-torn Iraq. There's no evidence that James Biden knows anything about Iraq or anything about 
you know, building homes at this level. And yet he got this, this huge cut of a $35 billion deal to build 500,000 units. Um, another one, he got this unbelievable deal where he was tasked with negotiating with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the shrewdest negotiators on the planet, literally world's richest people. Uh, and he got tasked with negotiating with the Saudis over another $140 million deal. Um, with this company, Hillstone, which is the same one that built the homes in Iraq. Is it, why is James Biden being tasked with this? We know why, because his last name is Biden. That's his only reason that you would ever give him this job. Uh, there's an amazing Ukraine one that we d- discuss uh, in the book, Breaking Biden, where he had a half million dollar loan from a Biden donor, a Ukrainian American named John Hynansky. And Hynansky had gotten a $20 million federal loan from the U.S. government to build a car dealership. Okay, that stuff happens, Alec. But what doesn't happen is a $20 million federal loan to build a car dealership in Ukraine, literally Ukraine. We were paying for it. And it's the same guy who bailed out James for his tax lien. Uh, this stuff is so corrupt. It's it, And here's the main point. Some people who are haters are going to say that this is all legal. Uh, my answer to that is so what? First of all, we know the Biden family is willing to take bribes. Look at the Burisma example, where they got a million dollar a year deal for Hunter and Joe changed the policy going against the State Department. Clear as day, clear bribery. So we know they're willing to do that. So the point is, is that either this is illegal, which I'm not a lawyer, seems illegal to me. But if it's not illegal, then why isn't it? And it's because Joe Biden's in charge. Joe Biden is the guy who built the system. He is the one who created all these carve outs so that People like his family could bag cash trading on the U.S., uh, our name and our taxpayers and our taxpayer funds, and they could get away with it. So neither is acceptable to me. And it's time to get fired up about it. What's crazy, Alex, excuse me, is that, you know, they point the fingers at Trump. Now, Trump's a guy that was in real estate his entire life. He builds golf courses. He builds hotels all around the world. Here you have guys that have never been in real estate, have no idea about foreign policy and stuff like that. Now they're building hotels or opening car dealerships, uh, Ukraine, uh, over in Iraq with with the housing. It's like it just points to something is wrong. These guys made all their money since they became politicians. They got money because of their their position in Washington. That's pretty obvious. And and just just to swing this back into the, the, the electric vehicles, because we're into this this craze, climate change. Uh, there, there's a big hustle been coming behind this. Now, th- this electric vehicle thing, this is tied into China here. And it seems like China is the one that's benefiting the most from this electric car deal. Break this down. How is Biden involved with the electric car companies and how it's benefiting China? Yeah. So the Biden family is deeply tied. And, and it's a long story that I do recommend people get in the book to this company called Fisker, which was a a company that was funded by the Obama Biden administration to build electric cars. They were given a big loan, as was Tesla. And Tesla paid back their loan right away. And Fisker went bankrupt. One of the creditors on their bankruptcy was Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden also got a gifted a $125,000 Fisker, a, a, a car ironically called the Karma. This is a big scandal. We wrote about it quite a bit at the time at Breitbart, like 13, 14 years ago, whenever it was happening. Um, and Fisker ended up taking over this 
a really iconic GM plant in Delaware on Boxwood Road, which was very important to Joe throughout his life. So Joe had this deep connection to this company. And as a hunter on a financial level, uh, the company went belly up and eventually got bought out by the Chinese. And they're now trying to relaunch it. So a total disaster. The Biden's hands are all over it. And now it's a Chinese company. And then you get the flip side is Tesla. I, I've got a lot of mixed things to say about Elon Musk, but you can't argue with the, the fact that Tesla is now the biggest EV maker in the world. I mean, it's just it's, it's a huge accomplishment. And it was done with a government loan and with a lot of government tax breaks. But all of that is just way above board relative to what we saw with Fisker, which has deep ties to the Bidens. Uh, but that's just one element of it. Biden's whole foreign policy has been to promote electric vehicles, even though a lot of them are just simply not not delivering uh, on a lot of the promises that we were made. Every time another tax incentive goes out for electric vehicles, they just raise the prices of the cars. Uh, Americans are, do not want these uh, 2050 EV mandate, we're all gonna be totally electric. Um, and he, one of the things that I track in the book is exactly how much China is benefiting from the EV grift, how they're now the number one buyers of EVs, but it, it really goes beyond that. One out of two EVs sold in 2021 was bought in China. Uh, they're the largest e exporter of EVs, so they're making the most. Uh, they're the world's largest EV growth market. Uh, they are the biggest manufacturer of EVs, and they sell more in, in China. So Tesla is making more of their cars even in China. So again, it's not like I'm a pro-Tesla guy all the way. They're just at least better than, than that company, Fisker. Um, but it is uh, China's CATL, which is one of their companies, is the, and all the Chinese companies only operate with the Chinese government's blessing. Uh, CATL is the world's largest supplier of lithium-ion batteries. And those aren't just used in Chinese EVs. They're used in Volkswagen, BMW, Tesla, and even Biden's beloved General Motors. Their EVs are relying on supplies from, from China. So all of this is just money going straight into the pockets of the CCP, which is consistent throughout so much of Biden's policy portfolio. So when you look at Joe Biden's policies, you can almost always trace that China is going to benefit somehow. Sometimes I do think that's unintentional because China is quite clever and Joe is quite sloppy, especially with his policies. Uh, but I think a lot of times it's, it's not just that China is clever and that Joe's sloppy. Sometimes I think I think Joe knows about it. Um, one example, Alec, in the, is how Joe cut some of our strategic oil reserves. He broke them off to a Chinese company. And the Chinese company happened to have investment from one of Hunter Biden's uh, hedge funds, one of his investment vehicles. And this is not a coincidence. There is no reason for Joe to give our strategic reserves to a Chinese company, aside from the fact that Hunter has connected them on a business level. This is a massive scandal. It should be impeachable. We should start impeachment proceedings now over it. And it just sort of came and went in the news cycle. People talk about it for a minute. I, I don't want people to forget this stuff. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. There, there's so much to get into. We could talk about just that issue for the rest of the day here. But it, it also, too, and just on a personal note with the electric, I was in, in Oregon two weeks ago, and the only rental car they had was this electric vehicle. And I loved the way it drived. Yeah. Everything was good. But the fact that I had to find a charging station and wait a half hour to charge this thing up drove me bananas. I'm like, who in the world wants to do this? So that, that part of it sucked. Well, one thing that I love to do, um, especially because – this isn't a textbook. It's not every sentence is groundbreaking research, even though th there's a lot of it. I do like to try to synthesize for people arguments that I think we can make to people over the next 13 months 
people who understand the country's in trouble but might not understand that Joe Biden is the problem. Um, I, I try to supply some arguments like how it actually is more expensive per mile to drive an EV than a gas guzzler. So it, it's the it's one of these things where you wouldn't believe it, but I did the math, and it costs about uh, it costs about seven cents a gallon more to for a gal uh, to have an EV. I'm sorry, seven cents a I think about seven cents a mile. I'll get the exact stat here in a second, but it's a the point is is that we've been told that EVs are going to be uh, ultimately less expensive. You're going to save money. No. If you like the idea of charging at home, if you like the idea of being off the grid, if you don't like the idea of gasoline, I can't talk you out of that stuff, though I think all of that has led to immense prosperity in this country. But but don't think you're saving money. You're not saving money. The bottom line is that it ends up costing you a little bit more, and you have to go through this rigmarole to charge. Uh, there's only a fraction of the high-speed charging stations Alec, compared to gas stations, gas stations takes three, four minutes to fill up your car, whatever it is, and then you're good to go for 400 miles. Uh, if you want to charge your your EV, there's a handful of places on the planet where you can do that, and those places take a half an hour. So or else you're charging overnight at your house. It, it is uh, it's so insane that we've forced this on people, and it is purely a political thing, and it benefits some of these companies like these Chinese companies. And I think that that's an important point that people need to be able to make. Yeah, very well said, Alex. And again, Breaking Biden, link to the book is down there in the description below. One thing I wanted to touch on real quick here, too, is Joe Biden telling us that the greatest threat is white supremacy. We know that Joe Biden is yeah. part of the race hustlers. So he tells you white supremacy is the greatest threat. Well, FBI numbers last year, a number of people murdered by white supremacy, 18 people. Last year, 100,000 killed by fentanyl. But that doesn't seem to be a great threat to Joe Biden. Meanwhile, it's pouring in through this open border. He's hustling the race game while our border is wide open. Open. We don't know who's coming in, what they're doing here. Uh, so do you break down this whole race baiting Joe Biden issue in the book as well? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, and by the way, I, I found I found the stack because I don't want to embarrass myself here by giving you guys uh, on the per mile data here. Yeah, the per mile. OK, so for 100 miles, the average cost of a gas guzzler is eleven point two nine dollars. So eleven dollars, twenty nine cents. And for an EV, it's eleven dollars and sixty cents. So you're actually costing is costing an extra 30 cents every hundred miles to have your EV. So they're basically break even with the gas guzzlers being a little less expensive. Okay, to your point. So you make two big points. Uh, Biden is totally backwards in his priorities. And that's one of the things that I lay out because his priorities, even though he's not ideological, I don't think he's got a big ideological agenda. Uh, he has got a principle that you always appease the base. He needs the base because if the base is with him, then he can get away with anything because the base also controls the media and they control the donations. So he doesn't cross his base and his base is a left wing base. So uh, his priorities are stuff like climate change and white supremacy. So even though Joe's history with race is abysmal, uh, Alec, he called black children roaches. This wasn't 50 years ago. This was six years ago. He called black children roaches. And it's on video when he did that. I write about that in the book. And there's tons of other stuff. He calls Jews Shylocks. Uh, he's mildly racist. I, I don't think he's going to Klan meetings, but the guy has a mild racist streak. And he definitely sees the world in a way that certainly is foreign to me. And, you know, I'm a card-carrying right-wing Republican. But, you know, growing up in West L.A., as I did, it's a. I, it would have been appalling if some of the views on race that Joe Biden has regardless of, the, of your political stripes. Um, I actually do have a piece that's ready that it will run at Breitbart eventually. I don't, I'm, I, I don't want it to get lost in the news cycle that we're in now. 
Um, but going through his history of racism, and it's quite robust. Um, the fact that he worked with segregationist senators r- repeatedly to create prison policies that penalize br- black men and more than white men is unbelievable. It'd be way disqualifying for any Republican. But because he's a Democrat who appeases his base, he gets away with it. Um, but it is important to note that he has whistled past the graveyard against the real fundamental threats against this country, the open border, radical Islamic terror and China in particular. But he really uh, is bears a lot of responsibility for the Ukraine-Russia war. I have a whole chapter on that. Um, and, of course, his Afghanistan pullout was, was horrific, abysmal. He bears a ton of responsibility for what's happening in the Middle East now. He was a very weak ally to Israel, and he was a very soft target to radical Islamic jihad. Uh, the key element of that being repeatedly sending money to Iran – and trying to revive the Iran nuclear deal, which not only strengthens Iran, but it also strengthens Russia. So his Russia record is not even very good, despite all the lip service he pays the left. So you can see there's just so many things to discuss, so many arguments. Uh, we can't make them all here, but that's why I recommend the book to everyone. Yeah, and again, breaking Biden, link is down there below. And, and of course, too, nobody gets away with what he does when he says, like, if you don't vote for me, then you're not black. And I think, though, too, you're starting to see these communities that are getting packed with these illegal immigrants that are predominantly yes. affecting black people that are saying, wait a minute, what about us? And I think that's waking some people up, which is good. But the other point here, too, is that while we have American hostages currently being held by Hamas, this guy is walking down on the beach, sunbathing, and the optics of this are absolutely horrific. And if this, I can only imagine if this was President Trump, the way they hammered him for playing golf. But if this was Trump sitting on a beach while we have American hostages in the whole Middle East, you got China putting in warships into the region. Uh, how does he get away with this? Well, obviously the media is, is in his pocket, but this is terrible. Yeah, but you, you answered it. The media is in his pocket. They know he's the guy. There's no one waiting in the wings. This is something I break down quite a bit in the book, is that Joe Biden doesn't just see himself as president. He wants to be a dynastic figure. And the whole plan was to eventually transfer that dynasty to Bo. A Bo of his, of his children is the one who was the most stable and most solid. And he would have cakewalked in the presidency. He would have been president for eight years. And the Bidens would have been off to the races for who knows. They could have gone down as a legendary family. That's always what what Joe wanted, uh, but Bo died of a uh, brain cancer about six or seven years ago. And there's no one else. Uh, the rest of the family are grifters and junkies. And I don't say that to be mean, Alec. They're literally grifters and junkies. I mean, that's who they are. They don't know. No one can step in. So who's he going to pass the legacy to? It's not going to be Pete Buttigieg. It's not going to be Kamala Harris. Uh, and I explain why in the book as well. Um, it, it could be Gavin Newsom. If Newsom is uh, savvy enough to figure that out, and I think he is, um, but that means Newsom's not going to challenge him now. So then that means he's fine. He could do whatever he wants. And if he needs to get his rest on the beach and just enjoy being an old guy, then he can do that because the consequences are zero. And it makes me a little sad sometimes, even though we did as a lead story, Breitbart News. I mean, how could we not? It's been- but it does make me a little sad to feel suspicious that this stuff is not getting through to people. And that's why we need a hard reset. We need to stop laughing at Joe Biden. I mean, we can laugh at him for fun, but it's not working. We need to stop acting like we know everything about him or that he's just some guy who's getting puppeteered. He's the guy at the top. He's beating us, and he should not be. He's a deeply corrupt person with horrible policies, and he's got a bad, he's got bad judgment. And he needs to be removed by the voters in 13 months.
Yeah, and I know we're up against it, but I would, you mentioned Kamala Harris. I wanted to get a quick hitter on her. Here's the one. You know, she listened to Snoop Dogg in, in college before he even started his rap career, just when Snoop Dogg was a pup. But we know that this girl, uh, you know, she, she comes in. She seems so incompetent at anything. She's the border czar. She just seems like I, I can't figure out. I know you got a chapter in here on her. What is she doing there? And this is a girl, by the way, too, that, that was responsible yeah. for locking up a ton of black people in her time. But what is she doing there? Yeah, so so she she was a perfect pick for Joe Biden, and I explained this in one of my favorite chapters, um, which uh, originally Alec was twice as long, and, I, and I, I trimmed it just to make sure that the audience doesn't get too sidetracked from Joe. Um, but Kamala's rise is is really fascinating because she's similar to Joe in that she's not ideological. Uh, she was very moderate uh, for for a Democrat, a California Democrat, which I'm a Californian. It's a single party state. It's only Democrats there. And she was in the Bay Area, which is the most left wing part of the state. And so she basically did what she needed to do. Uh, and people can use your imaginations about what that means to get where she had to go politically. And that did involve locking up a bunch of nonviolent offenders and kind of going where the winds blew politically. And she was very savvy at that. And she was very good at getting donors excited, which made her a perfect pick for Joe Biden, who is not good at getting donors excited. He's not a great fundraiser. Um, because even though he gives the donors what they want in the end, he's just not that charismatic on the stump. He bumbles. He doesn't look solid. So Kamala comes in. She's bringing in the Hollywood and the Silicon Valley money. Plus, she's got all those woke points because she's a BIPOC woman. Um, but Joe also knows uh, he can't let her surpass him. And she's not that bright. She's not as bright as Joe. Joe's much smarter than Kamala. So it's the I'm not saying she's like particularly stupid, but but she's really not bright. And Joe is bright. Joe's got a fastball. He he fools us sometimes because he says so many stupid things, but he's got a brightness to him. Um, so what Joe does to make sure that Kamala is under his thumb, he gives her the worst slate of assignments, period. The key being the the, the key being um, the border where put you, Kamala is a border senator before she's vice president. She took no interest in the border, even though she's in a border state. Of course, she was going to fail at this. And Joe basically made her the fall guy which is sure she doesn't surpass him and it allows him to pass the buck. The rest of her slate is absurd that she's in charge of artificial intelligence. Now, one of the most complicated subjects you put one of the dumbest people in politics in charge of one of the most complicated subjects. Why is she doing this? Because all the AI companies are her donors. It's a wink and a nod to big tech and Silicon Valley that we got you. You guys can do whatever you need to do. You guys can run your business. Just keep, keep the checks coming in. It's all very dirty, very corrupt, and I think also fascinating. Yeah, again, so so much to unpack. We can't get into all of it here, but uh, breaking Biden, the link to the book is down there in the description below. And I encourage people to get the information, Alex, because we got to get these people out of office in 2024. And we got to don't be lazy in learning. Get the information. What you decide to do with it, that's up to you. But I encourage people to get the information. And this is a part of that solution. Said so last thing I'm going to ask you: Do you think Biden makes it to the starting gate in 2024? It seems like this guy continues to decline and slow down. He's weak on this uh, on the draw. Does he make it to the gate? Yeah, he does. Um, and I think that there's always a chance that if the polls keep getting worse and he continues to be as frail as he is, um, and some of the ideas like the arguments in this book uh, percolate, then I think there's a chance we could get a chaotic situation. But I do think that the smart money is that he's the guy because there's no one really, there, there's no one in the on deck circle right now. There's no one in the bullpen warming up.
Uh, people think it's Gavin Newsom. I don't. And if it's not him, then there really is no one. There's really no one who's out there at all uh, because he's got the system locked down to protect himself. So uh, he's been ready for this. He's been preparing for this for his entire life since he was a child. And he's not going to give it up easily. So something really bad is going to have to happen to his health or it's going to become clear that he's not going to win. And that's never going to become clear because of their vote-by-mail apparatus, what I call cheat-by-mail, with the tech censorship, with the media being what it is. Uh, I think Joe's going to have a very good chance of winning no matter what. And I think that uh, anyone who is naive to that fact is living in a dream world, and those are the first people who need to read this book. Yeah, scary stuff. Breaking Biden, link is down there below. Alex Marlow, absolute honor to have you. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time on the Alec Lay Show. Alex, you do a great job. Thank you. All right, honored to have Alex Marlowe on the podcast here. His new book, Breaking Biden, available now. You'll find the link down in the description of today's podcast episode, whether you're watching live here on Rumble or you're listening on Apple or Spotify. The link will be down below. Uh, what an honor to have him on the show. I would love to have him back on again. Uh, he does you know, he does some very detailed investigative journalism. Uh, there's a reason why Forbes called him perhaps the most significant media figure in America. So props to Alec Mars, Alex Marlowe grateful for him giving me a few minutes. What do you think about the interview? Hit me in the comments down below. Get involved in a live chat. Let me know what you thought about it. One other story that I wanted to get you guys with here before I uh, I leave you is these two teenage murderers uh, that killed this retired police officer. He was riding on his bike. They live streamed it. I'll play the video here uh, next to me as I'm talking. So these guys... A big joke. Uh, they they drove actively said to hit this guy. You can hear him in the video saying hit him, and then they drive and they smash into this guy and kill him while they live stream the entire thing for the family to have to see over and over again and watch their father or their husband or their brother die right on the live stream. So these guys get arrested and in the cop car on the way after being arrested. They're talking to the police officer saying, this is a slap on the wrist. It's a hit and run. It's just a slap on the wrist. 30 days, I'll be out, guaranteed. And that's the mentality that these guys had. And now they get into the courtroom, and here they are yesterday or the day before, and here they are in the courtroom. They're laughing. They're joking around. They flipped off the family of the police officer who they killed. These guys don't take it seriously. They don't care. There's no remorse. There's no nothing. These guys feel like they're being charged wrongly. And this is what our society is giving birth to right now. These are the type of the characters. It's not like these guys are very few and far between. They're a dime a dozen now. Guys just like this because they're entitled. They're growing up in a fatherless, a godless, and a lawless society. And we are going to continue to produce young men. I don't even want to call them men. Young animals like this. We're going to keep producing them in this country if we don't get this turned around and get fathers back in the home, God back into society, and law and order back on the street. It's impossible to do it without those three things in place. These guys are in a prime perfect example of this. They're sitting there, and, now, and the family of the officer that they killed, murdered, is sitting in the courtroom, and they're, and they're giving him the finger. They're, they're horsing around and joking around. And you know what? They have every right to believe that they're going to get off scot-free with this. If I were them, I would think so. I've been told that because you're a person of color, everybody's out to get you. Uh, you have an excuse. You, you have a built-in excuse to, to, to kill people, to be rage. And if anybody has a problem with it, they're just racist. They've been told this time and time again. So. Do you blame them? A hundred percent. But do you blame these the society that is producing these people? I think you have to blame that as well. 
partly responsible for producing animals like this. We cannot have these people in our society. We have way too many of them. Not only do you have the people that are entitled, you have the mentally deranged. Now, we just had another mass shooting that took place up in Maine yesterday. Uh, Over 20 people murdered, 60 people wounded. And so what happened with this now? We're going to see the more uh, calls for gun control. They're going to go after your gun now. And and who knows what this guy's mentally ill, whatever the issue is. But we have got a mental illness problem in this country. We got a fatherless problem. We got a godless problem. We got a lawless problem. We got this is why we can't be sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Let's turn this around in the country here first before we go over to these other countries. We got to get this stuff straightened out here. We keep letting it go. We're going to keep producing these psychopaths like you're seeing time and time again. All right, so those are really the stories that I wanted to hit you guys with. Again, I'm grateful to Alex Marlowe for giving me a few minutes of his time on the podcast today. I will be back here next week on Tuesday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble. Follow me on Locals. Follow the channel that you're watching here on Rumble, and then you can follow me on X. That's where I'm going to be. I'll be uh, giving you guys the updated guest list for who's going to be joining me on the podcast here. I'm working and right now that they finally elected a speaker. I'm going to be working hard to get some other members of Congress on the podcast here, so stay tuned. We'll find out who I can get for next week. I will work on getting Speaker Johnson. may take a little bit, but I will be persistent and try to get him for you. If there's anybody else you have that you would like to see, anybody you got in mind that you'd like to see me interview here on the Alec Lay Show, drop it down below. Hit it, hit me with a comment. Let me know who that is. And again, I think it's a good thing for America. I like the fact that this guy puts God first. And again, I pray that he will put America first. So that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. God bless all of you parents and listeners out there. God bless our first responders in the military. God bless America. And I will catch you guys next week. Have a good weekend.